And I'll invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find that on page 868. In the previous passage, the passage that we looked at last week in verses 1 through 20 of Luke 10, Luke wrote to us about an occasion when Jesus appointed 72 of his disciples. He gave them authority, he commissioned them, he sent them out to go ahead of him into the villages and the cities that he would soon be going, proclaiming the kingdom of God. And when those 72 returned, they returned rejoicing. And they were rejoicing, Luke tells us in verse 17 of Luke 10, because the demons were subject to them as they proclaimed the name of Jesus. But then Jesus said to them in verse 20, Don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice in this, that your names are written in heaven. Our passage today picks up there. Our passage today will be Luke chapter 10, verses 21 through 24. Let's turn our attention again to the reading of God's holy, living, and inerrant word. And I want to invite you, please keep your Bibles open throughout the remainder of our time this morning as we go back and forth between God's Word and some some commentary upon it. Luke writes in verse 21 saying, In that same hour, meaning in the same hour in which these 72 returned, Jesus rejoiced, He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is God's word for you today. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. Pray with me again. Lord God, we thank you for the many blessings that you give us. Not the least of which is your holy word and your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to see how blessed we are that we have heard these things. How blessed we are that we can see you, Jesus, in faith. And you, Father, in faith. And you, Spirit, alive in our lives through faith in Christ and the one who sent him. Lord, give us your spirit so that we might rightly understand this portion of your word and apply it in our lives. 
for our good and for your glory. In this we pray. Amen. So again, when the 72 returned from their mission, they came back rejoicing. Rejoicing because the demons were subject to them as they declared the name of Jesus. Jesus says, yes, that's great, isn't, isn't it? That's all well and good, but, but if you're going to rejoice, Jesus says, let me give you even another reason, even a better reason than rejoicing that the spirits are subject to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And the 72 weren't the only ones who were rejoicing in this hour because as we see in verse 21, Jesus was also rejoicing. And that rejoicing led Jesus into a time of prayer. And and notice how this prayer that Jesus prays is a Trinitarian prayer. Through and through this prayer. We see Jesus making reference to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And in in fact, it's, it's even through the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is even moved to make this prayer. Verse 21, Luke writing, In that same hour, He, meaning Jesus, rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus rejoices in the Holy Spirit. And this word that's used here, this Greek word that's translated here as rejoicing, this is a particular word that has a particular context associated, a particular nuance. This rejoicing that Jesus is doing here is an eschatological rejoicing. It's a praising and a giving thanks to the Father for the soon-to-be-completed fulfillment of God's plan of salvation. And in his prayer, Jesus prays to his Father, who he calls the Lord of heaven and earth. This is a reference to the majesty and the power, and the dominion, and the authority, and the rule over which God the Father holds sway. Christ gives thanks and He gives honor to His Father, who is Lord of all. And this God rules perfectly, supremely, over all of heaven and earth. There's no end, there's no limit to His authority, to His rule. He rules over all things, providentially governing everything and every creature, every person, sovereignly choosing and directing whatsoever shall come to pass, Scripture tells us. And it's to this God to whom Christ prays. And friends, when you take your prayers, when you take your prayers of supplication to the Lord, it's to this very same sovereign, supreme God to whom you make your request. 
You take your request to the Lord of heaven and earth, who works all things together for your, for your good, as we're told in Romans 8.28. And as we learn from the first question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism, that indeed all things must work together for my salvation. All things are able to work for good. All things are able to work for your salvation because it's the Lord of heaven and earth who's working all things together for his sovereign purposes. Jesus continues rejoicing in the Holy Spirit and in his prayer of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord of heaven and earth saying, I thank you, Father, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. This is a prayer that Jesus makes. It's a prayer of praise and thanksgiving for the gracious will of God the Father. And specifically, as we consider this prayer closer, it's a prayer of praise and thanksgiving for the gracious will of God the Father in election and salvation. Here where we remember the words of God is recorded in Exodus 33:19 and Romans 9:15, where the Lord declares, "I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion." on those on whom I have compassion. Scripture is clear as we see in this passage and elsewhere that the Lord sovereignly chooses to whom He will reveal Himself in a saving way. In verse 21, Jesus prays to the Father, thanking Him that He reveals to some and conceals from others. Jesus says, I thank you, Father, that that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding. Now, what things is Jesus referencing here? Well, remember, this passage connects with that passage that comes before it. When Christ speaks of some things to be hidden to some and revealed to others, he's speaking of the claims of the 72 That the kingdom of God has come near. That's verse 9 and 11. The things hidden often also reference the fall of Satan, which Christ makes reference to in verse 18. God chooses to make those things known to some, but chooses not to make them to be known or accepted by others. And this is all because of his gracious will to those who will believe. Ephesians 1 verses 4 through 6. He chose us in him in Christ before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace. And Ephesians 1.11, In Him we have an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things 
according to the counsel of his will. And God delights to reveal himself and to unite himself to those who receive him and his free offer of salvation like children. That's what Christ makes reference to here in verse 21. When Christ makes reference to these things being revealed to little children, he's referring to his disciples, to the twelve, to the seventy-two, and to all who embrace him in faith. They and, and we too, we have a faith that's not exactly a complete faith. But more accurately, it's understood as being a childlike faith. And we may may chafe against such a statement, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because remember what Jesus says to us in Mark 10, 14. To whom does the kingdom of God belong? The kingdom of God belongs to those who receive it like children. The kingdom belongs to those who receive it joyfully. The kingdom of God belongs to those who receive it in humility. Rather than to exalt themselves above it in pride, believing themselves to be too wise, too smart, too intellectual for such things as the gospel and all this talk about a need for salvation from outside of oneself. Jesus continues his prayer in verse 22. And and understand this is a prayer that Jesus prayed out loud in his disciples' hearing. And it's recorded here for our benefit as well. Jesus continues his prayer of praise and thanksgiving to God the Father. And now he gives thanks to him that all things have been handed over to him. Here we understand that this Jesus is no mere man, but he is the unique God-man. He's the Christ, the second person of the Godhead, the eternal God the Son now come to earth in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And all of the authority of God the Father, the Lord of heaven and earth, the Father delights to grant that authority to his Son, Jesus. Jesus then goes on praying, No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. And with that, we we see that this isn't just a prayer of praise and thanksgiving for the gracious will of the Father. But this is also a prayer of praise and thanksgiving for the gracious will of God the Son. For it's only through the will of Christ that the Son will choose to reveal the Father to a person in a saving way. Jesus reveals the Father. That's one of the things that he does. He makes reference to this in John 14. There on the night before he would go to the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and for my sins, Jesus told his disciples that he would very soon be leaving them and returning to the Father. And in John 14, he said to them, 
In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that you may be where I am also. And you know the way to where I am going. And then John records Thomas is saying, but Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? And to that, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. Show us the Father and that will be enough to us. And to that, Jesus said, have I been with you so long, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus shows forth the Father. He perfectly images Him. We read about that a little earlier this morning in our common confession of faith from Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God. And in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. We're told very much the same in Hebrews 1.3 saying of Jesus, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. Jesus has the authority of the Father given to Him, and He reveals the Father to those to whom the Lord intends to redeem. You know, Jesus prayed very much the same thing later on that night, on that night before He would go to the cross. In John 17, in what's referred to as his high priestly prayer, Jesus prayed like this. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus goes on to say in John 17, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them. And have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. And beloved, if you believe this also, it's only because of the gracious will of God the Father and God the Son. And although it's not specifically stated in this passage, if you believe these words of Christ, that's also because of the will and the work of God the Holy Spirit. Jesus speaks about that in many places in Scripture, including John chapter 3. There, speaking to a Jewish religious leader, Jesus, Jesus declared... Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, 
he cannot see the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And then he goes on to say, Do not marvel that I have said to you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you know not from where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Paul speaks of the saving work of the Holy Spirit in Titus 3. They're saying, We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's this gracious will and work of God the Father and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that's responsible for and which secures our salvation. We're reminded of that from Ephesians 2. And Bob made reference of this in his prayer earlier this morning. There Paul says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together by, with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so that anyone can boast. And because all of this is true, this prayer is also a great call to humility. Because our salvation is not of ourselves. We, we have nothing in us to warrant this kind of kindness on the part of the Father Towards us, but it's only from his good and gracious pleasure and will that he chooses to reveal himself to us and to give to us the free gift of faith and repentance. As Christ says in verse 22, no one can know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Those words are echoed by Christ in John 14, 6. No one can come to the Father except through me. And then in John 6, 44, Christ tells us that, and no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me first draws him to me. Beloved, it's all of grace. It's all of grace. All of the Lord's sovereign and gracious will towards us. And because of that, we're called to profound 
humility. This passage is also a call to appreciation and gratitude for all that the Lord, the Lord of heaven and earth, has done for us in Christ. We see that in verses 23 and 24. Look at that if you would. Where Luke tells us, Then turning to the disciples, Jesus said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if the Lord has granted to you the gift of faith, then understand and appreciate that incomparable gift and privilege that's been given to you. Don't fail to recognize the privilege that it is to be known by the name of Jesus, to be a Christian. Don't fail to recognize the Lord's great kindness and mercy and love that he's extended to you through granting you faith in him. If you trust in Jesus, don't ever fail to give thanks and to praise the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that your name is written in heaven. Don't neglect the gifts that have been given to you of a reconciled relationship with the Father, of having Jesus as your friend, your elder brother, your God, your Savior, your King, your Lord, your shepherd. Don't fail to appreciate the honor and the gift that's been given to you in the person of the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of Christ given to you to be your friend, to be your guide, your counselor, your helper. Don't neglect or or fail to appreciate having the Bible in its fullness. Because it's, it's in the word that God most fully and clearly reveals himself to us. And it's there in God's word where we learn about all that the Father and the Son and the Spirit have done for us and for all of God's people. It's there where we learn all the glories that still await us to come in the consummation of all things, in the return of Christ. And in the era of the new heavens and the new earth that await all those who look to Jesus in faith. Don't neglect the opportunity that that we have to have this word of God which contains these things that prophets and kings long to hear but could not hear or see and could not see it. And friends, we have that at our very fingertips with us virtually every moment of every day, don't we? Don't neglect the opportunity to listen to God's word read to listen to wonderful teaching and preaching on God's Word that's available to us. You can do that every day as you drive to and from work or as you go to and from school or as you're at home in your spare time, in the morning when you wake and at night when you lay down. You have the ability to to think upon these things, to have God's Word shower you 
through the technology, through the gift, that blessing that God has given to us, including the technology of the printed word, if you're still a bit of an old dog like I know I can be. Brothers and sisters, don't neglect or fail to appreciate the importance and the blessing that it is to gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ on the Lord's day. To submit ourselves to instruction in the Lord, to the encouragement from the Lord, from His Word, from His Spirit, and from your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't neglect the opportunity that's afforded to us to gather together with God's people in God's house to give worship and praise and thanksgiving to the one who is the Lord of heaven and earth. To all of this, I conclude again with the words of Christ from John 14, where Jesus concludes his time with his disciples by saying, believe in God, believe also in me. Pray with me. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the God who makes it possible for us to believe in you. And you don't just make it possible, but you cause us to believe in you through your work in our lives. We are dead. We are blind. Lost in our sins and our transgressions. And a dead man cannot do anything to make himself undead. But Lord, you, the Lord of heaven and earth, you, the one who spoke and caused the universe to come into being through the power of your word, you speak into our lives. And Jesus, as you said to Lazarus, come forth, and the man who had been dead for four days responded to your command, and he came forth. In the same way your word tells us that you speak into into the grave of our dead hearts, and you say, come forth, enter into newness of life. And you work regeneration in our hearts. And you, you take out a heart of stone that's dead to you and you replace it with a heart of flesh that responds to your gracious invitation and gracious command to us. And you give to us the gifts of grace and faith and repentance. Lord, continue to give us those graces Continue to give us those gifts. Continue to make yourself known to us. Continue to reveal yourself, Father and Son and Spirit. Continue to make us to be new again, we pray, so that we may live lives that are a reflection of the praise and thanksgiving that you rightly deserve. Lord God, we give you thanks for this and for all things. Amen.